Thanks for joining us today for another message on the glory of God. We are excited to have you here as part of our Evangel Temple online campus, and we welcome you. If God is using this ministry to bless your life, we encourage you to send us an email at etag.tv, or simply if you have any prayer requests, please send us a message so that we can pray with you about your prayer needs. The most important thing when we come together is the presence of God. This sermon series is all about having God's presence, maintaining God's presence. Moses told God, God, if you're not going with us, I'm not going anywhere. Listen, as we approach and as we go through 2015, we must have God's presence. We need his Shekinah glory. And I want this message to be a blessing. And we do want you to call in or to email us your prayer requests. We do faithfully pray over these requests and needs. We want you to be a part of the giving base of this church family. So many people are connected literally from around the world and support the ministry here. And we're very thankful we give God all the praise. And as we always do, we pray the blessings upon all of those that are faithfully supporting. And I just want to challenge you to be a giver to help support this ministry as we reach out and believe God for great revival, a great awakening in 2015. Well, we're going right into the service and may it bless your life. Yeah. 
reading of God's holy word. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 60. Thank you, worship team, and God bless you for your worship and giving this morning. Isaiah 60. For all of those uh, ladies in the congregation and couples, uh, we need help in our church nurseries, and uh, they are overflowing with babies and infants. So two weeks ago today, there were 100 infants in the nurseries. And so we need more workers, and then we need some uh, adults who can teach children's church for age four and age five on Sunday mornings during this service. And the women's Bible study uh, begins Tuesday morning. They already have a record uh, enrollment signed up. It's a Beth Moore series on the book of Daniel starting this Tuesday morning. So ladies, we want you to sign up. And finally, we're going to be having church tonight at six o'clock as usual. Amen. And uh, I don't know anything else that's more important than being in the presence of God. Amen. I can promise you the presence of God will not deflate you. 
Amen. Amen. The presence of God will build you up and encourage you. Amen. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. You can see how all of this is happening in our world, friends. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. His glory, look at this, shall be seen upon you. God's saying, I'm going to rest my presence upon you. My Shekinah glory is going to rest upon you. Look what happens when that takes place. Gentiles shall come to the light. Kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from afar. Thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Thou shalt see and flow together, and thou shalt fear. That word fear there is in a positive aspect. You'll have great reverence for what God is doing. As the glory is being manifest, as his presence is being manifest, and people start coming to the light of his presence. Sons, we've had that happen this week. Prodigal sons and daughters literally from around the nation have made phone calls to this church this week. Those who once served the Lord have called and said, pray for me. I, I need to get back to God. It's happened more than once this week as we've been believing that these scriptures are true, yes and amen. That when the glory, when God's presence is made known, people are coming to the light and thy sons from afar, and thy daughters will once again nurse at the side of their mothers. You may be seated. The glory that is spoken of here in Isaiah 60 is God's splendor. It is his goodness. It is the essence of who he is. The vastness, the greatness of God. His immenseness and expanse. His presence and his nature. God chooses to reveal himself to mankind. What a powerful thought. And not only a revelation, but then to rest that goodness, that vastness, that immenseness, to rest his presence upon his people. That's why in verse 1, and I'll only take a brief few thoughts from last week's sermon as we're laying the groundwork for today, but he says, arise and shine. That is first and foremost a summons to Israel to come out of their spiritual darkness and their waywardness of serving other gods and to arise and let God's presence once again be on the nation. But not only is it a call to natural Zion, natural Israel, it is a call to the church. It is a call to believers. And the word arise in the Hebrew means to originate, to become apparent. I, I want to declare, friends, that uh, some uh, maybe have been in a place in life where you have been obscure. Uh, Joseph was for 20 years, and we read that recently in the scripture readings, if you're following the Bible reading guide. For 20 years, he had a dream inside of him. For 20 years, he never saw the manifestation of that dream. But there came a time that the word arise 
uh, became a, a, a word to him, and it means to originate, to become apparent. And Joseph finally stepped into the court of Pharaoh and got audience with the king after 20 years from the original dream. Maybe you've been obscure. Maybe uh, you've been in uh, the background. But there comes a time that God's going to bring you out of the background. And promotion, my Bible says, comes from the Lord. Uh, promotion doesn't come. In fact, the psalmist says it this way. Doesn't come from the east. Doesn't come from the west. Let me get my direction. Doesn't come from the east. Doesn't come from the west. Doesn't come from the south. He identifies three directions that promotion does not come from leaving only one direction, the north, which we know represents the sides of the north, it is the kingdom of heaven, is the throne room of, of God. And so we know promotion comes from God. And 2015 is going to be a year that people who have been obscure, as it were, uh, but God's going to cause them to originate and become apparent because it's the Lord's promotion in people's lives. Amen. But the word shine means to illuminate. God has never called the church uh, to be under a bushel, but to be on a candlestick. That's why the, 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 the admonition from the prophet Isaiah to originate, to become apparent, to shine, to illuminate. Friends, we're to shine forth the love of Christ to ascend dark and world. Amen? And so arise and shine takes on a, a connotation uh, to we today. In verse 2 it says spiritual darkness will cover the people. Gross darkness the people. Uh, pr the prophet Isaiah says. But something will happen. We read it a week ago in our Bible reading. In our, in our sermon last Sunday morning. From Isaiah 61. That you've been through some troubles. You've been through some problems. You've been through some trials. And, and there's, all, there's a spiritual darkness. And then there's a natural darkness which represents the trials of life. And, and God's prophet says a few verses after this, for all of the trouble that you've been through, I'm going to give you double. Well, you know, we were reading through the book of Job this week, and I, I came across another passage where Job has gone through all of the trials and, and the devil has attacked him. He has lost literally everything. He's lost his children. He's lost all of his uh, his, his camels, his, his, his oxen, his sheep, every one of those identified that uh, the devil stole from him. His children have died and his wife looks at him, Job cursed God and died. You get to the end of the story and I, when I, I can't wait till the last chapter of Job every time I'm reading it uh, because I know that's where the turnaround takes place. But I, it caught my eye once again this week when I was reading the latter verses of the book of Job that when God began to bless him, he gave him twice as much as what he had. Uh, in a year, we understand on the Jewish calendar, it is 5775. The Jews begin, if you're reading Exodus this week, you see where they began to count their years with the departure from Egypt. And this is year 5,775 years later after their departure. They keep uh, the years one after another on their calendar it rep five you've got two fives and that means favor that means favor upon the people you've got two sevens which means a completion or a rest 
I'm declaring, friends, that on that Jewish calendar, which we are speaking over our lives and our congregation, there's double favor this year and there's double rest and completion. There's going to be an end to some of the things that's been plaguing you. There's going to be a finishing of some of the trials and some of the things that you've been going through. If you understand the Jewish calendar, you also know it is the year of the Smita. The year of the Smita ends on September the 13th. Every seven years cycle, the seventh year is a Smita year. And what happens during that Smita year, if the people call upon God, at the end of the year, there is great blessings. Uh, as for me and my house, as for me and Evangel Temple, uh, this year we're calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, we're not trusting in our own ability, but we're acknowledging we need God more than we've ever needed Him. But if you look at America seven years ago, 14 years ago, exactly to the date when the Smita year ended, you will see the two greatest financial collapses. You will see that. Go back and look on those two exact days in history, seven years, 14 years ago from this coming September, you will see two of the greatest financial collapses since the Great Depression. I'm telling you, America has but hours to turn to God and realize that God's calendar, God's cycles, God's principles, God's ordinances, God's commands cannot just be winked at and put on a shelf somewhere that we need to understand the law of God is in effect. God says in verse 1, my glory, my fullness is going to rest on my people. Now, I mentioned last week that we all know theologically God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But God does not manifest that glory everywhere. In that desert, Moses was in that desert, and there were tens of thousands of bushes, but there was only one bush on fire. There was only one mountain that God chose to manifest and let that mountain be a quake and on fire and the billows of smoke and, and, and to speak from. Only one mountain. And so there are places, friends, where we need to get to where God's presence shows up. Amen. He's everywhere, but I want to be where he manifests his glory. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about coming to church on Sunday. A great Sunday is not defined by whether I like what's going on. A great Sunday ought to be defined as to whether or not God showed up in the house. Whether or not I encountered God's presence, I felt God's presence. I want people that uh, leave out of here to say there was something different about that bush. Uh, there was just something different about that place. I sensed the presence of God. I felt the glory of God. I sensed God was in the house. And God says there are places I'm going to rest my presence. And it's going to originate. It's going to illuminate Religious rituals and routines do not necessarily inspire God, nor do they inspire a generation that is devoid of his presence. You see, my friends, in an age and a culture that is driven by consumerism and meism, God does not want to just show up uh, in, and take sides in the midst of all these struggles. He wants to take over. He wants to be in charge. Amen. We come in and we want everything just like we want it. You better want it like he wants it. Amen. 
Uh, you better be here for, with one goal in mind. I've come here to worship God in spirit and in truth. I've not come here to get my ears tickled. I've not come here to, uh, to just... Uh, do my own thing or, or to see a performance take place. I've come here to encounter the living God. And the prophet says, arise, shine. You know what happened at the dedication of the temple? When they dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles 5.14, the glory of God filled the house. So much so that Solomon had to stop preaching the word and it says the people bowed down. The people got on their knees and on their faces and they could not stand in the presence of the Lord. When is the last time you have been in a place where the presence of God was so powerful that it just captivated you? That it caused a bowing of your heart, a reverence in your life that you could sense God is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this house. I'm telling you, in the dedication of the temple, it so touched the people that there was no complaining going on. Amen? Amen. You know, in churches today, we've got a lot of complaining and very little bowing. I'm going to have to come down and say amen to myself right there. Amen. Boy, it got real quiet right there. Some of you got sore feet. I just stepped on your toes. Amen. Well, when the glory comes... There's going to be a rising, a rising to doctrinal truth. I want to lay some groundwork here. I want everybody to go to Acts 2. Acts 2. I want everybody to see this. Pastor's going to teach a little bit right here. Amen. Acts 2, 42, 41, 3,000 people are saved on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 new converts. You've got the original 120 that come out of the upper room. Peter preaches and, and 3,000 are saved. But I want you to watch what 42 says. Acts 2, 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, scriptural teaching, truth that sets men free. Amen. Truth that will not lead you into error. I, I, I'm going somewhere. I had a college professor at Bible College that said that the devil is not going to come in with blatant unscriptural doctrine to a person that's been uh, a, a believer for a long period of time. He can't, he can't deceive you that way. He's not going to come in with something that's just blatantly off course. What he does try to do is create a slight deviation from the path of truth that you know. And a slight deviation doesn't necessarily with one step get you too far from the truth. But the further you go down that pathway of deviation, it gets further and further away from the light and the truth of the gospel. And so the scripture is, is laying a framework or a foundation here how important it is to remain with the apostles' doctrines. The scriptures being inspired, standing in accordance with the word of God. But look at also the other three things. In fellowship, that means you need to come to church. Amen. The writer of Hebrews says in the last days when you see all the evil awakening and arising, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The fellowship of saints of God around the good things and the worship of God. The fellowship is important. The breaking of bread. 
speaking specifically of the serving and the recognition of Holy Communion and in prayer. I, I want to stir you up to prayer. When the people of God pray, things happen. As indicated earlier by our sheriff, uh, that when people pray, we see results, friends, because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men avails before the Lord. Now, everyone go over to 1 John, because I want to show you something here about the apostles' doctrine. Paul said in 2 Timothy that in the last days there's going to be a form of godliness. There's going to be a form of religion, but denying the power thereof. And he says what everyone needs to do with that. Turn away from that. Get away from that because there's a deception with that. You see the apostles' doctrine in 1 John chapter 2. Look at chapter 2 verse 18. Little children, it is the last time as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists. Everybody say many. many. Whereby ye know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They went out. They that might be made manifest, they were not all of us. Look at verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Somebody say amen. Now look at 1 John 4, verse 1 through 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Right there is the dividing line. Right there is the line drawn in the sand. If you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you are of God. Amen. Wherefore ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let it be stated firmly and clearly that a part of the apostles' doctrine was the preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is the Son of God. Do you want to know what Evangel Temple stands for on this first Sunday of February, day one of February of 2015? We declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. There cannot be doctrinal departure and the presence of God be felt and experienced. 
I wrote several statements that when there's doctrinal departure, it will give way to ethical departure and misbehavior. When we teach the Word of God, men are going to line their lives up. That's why we need the, the spiritual code, the Ten Commandments. Because that moral spiritual code tells men how they ought to live. Amen. I love going in businesses across this city where, where business owners and proprietors have placed the Ten Commandments and ascribed to the holy writ of God. I'm telling you, what America needs is thus saith the Lord. What America needs is the word of God. What America needs is the commandments of the Lord. To honor the apostles' doctrine. The church is built on a solid rock. Amen? I want to address an issue right now. When we come together, we're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to honor him as Lord and Savior. And for some time, I've been cognizant of how secular music has been creeping into the church. And I read an article that Many pastors of America subscribe to this magazine. And I read this article this week, and it was talking about how many churches of America are using just plain secular music before, during, and after worship services. That their worship services are filled with, with uh, carnal, worldly music. Uh, I, let me say, amen, as we're establishing some things. Uh, Pastor Chris knows how I feel about this. We're going to worship the Lord. When you come to Evangel Temple, it's going to be about Jesus. It's not going to be about a, a, a building, an edifice, a, a, an individual pastor. It's going, you're going to encounter the Christ. Uh, we're going to remain true to the apostles' doctrines. And one of the foundational teachings is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to sing of him. We're going to love him. We're going to praise him. I don't want you to ever question that when you come on these grounds, you know that Jesus is going to be exalted. On Christ the solid rock I stand. I'm telling you, you can't have God's presence and be like the world and conform to the world. I'm tempted to stop right there, but I need to go on. Nadab and Abihu, you just read of them this week in your scripture reading. They had audience in the presence of God with Moses on the mount of God. Watch this. Early in Exodus, they go up on the mountain of God with Moses. And the Bible says they ate with God in his presence. For everyone that has problems uh, with that, you need to just go up on the mountain of God and be willing to eat in his presence. Amen. Amen. They ate with God. He set a table. You read it. Paul even identified it. He set a table before them in the wilderness. But on the mount of God, they ate with God. Here's Nadab and Abihu. A few chapters later, God slew Nadab and Abihu when they offered strange fire before the Lord. It's possible, friends, in this point of your life, 
to be well-meaning and to be on track and to have a, a firm footing of the apostles' doctrine, but it's possible that over here that you lose that footing and before you know it, you're offering something that is strange to the presence of God, something that is strange to the glory being made manifest. I'm telling you, they offered strange fire and God slew those two brothers. And what we need in our churches is worship that is pleasing to God. Amen. Praise that honors the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm telling you, the devil is allergic to praise. When it's praising Jesus, he's allergic. He has allergic reactions. Amen. Uh, you need to go get the EpiPen for the devil. Amen. When people begin to praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands and give him some praise right now. Amen. I've got to hurry, but look at chapter 59, verse 20 of Isaiah. When the Redeemer comes to Zion, unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob. God is saying there's a time that the Redeemer's coming back to Zion. When the Redeemer comes, the glory will be manifest. There's a time coming for Israel in the future. We know that what is prophetic and what is happening, God is dealing with the nation we know that the blood moons that we've been watching, and I, I remind you the solar eclipse is in March. The next third blood moon is coming early April. You need to keep your eyes on the signs. Jesus said, do this, watch. A lot of people are not cognizant of the spiritual signs that God has set in order. And, and the Redeemer's coming to deal with the house of Israel, to reestablish them. And it says the Gentiles shall be astonished. They're going to be attracted to the light. People from all the nations of the world will converge on Jerusalem one day. But the spiritual parallel to that is God's wanting to rest his anointing upon his church today. The spiritual Zion, the spiritual Mount Zion is the church until the end of the age when God begins to deal. It says the Gentiles shall flow to the light. He says lift up your eyes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 25, Paul desired for the people to say concerning the Corinthian church, God is among you. You know, as Paul desired that to say, to be said of the Corinthian church, I desire that for people to say that of Evangel Temple, that God is among you. I, I want people that when they drive down Interstate 10, they don't see an edifice or they don't see some lit crosses. I, I believe in putting crosses everywhere we can put crosses. Amen. Because we're establishing some territory that belongs to God. But I want people to sense the presence of God and to be like Paul was saying, I want them to be able to say, surely God is among them. And he was saying that concerning the Corinthian church. And as people drive past the buildings and the properties, and as people watch the programs literally from all over the world, I want people to say there's something different. There's a presence that I, I sense that God is doing something in their midst. You see, churches can be a lot about performance. Worship services were never to be designed to be about performance. They're designed to be about presence. It's not for your entertainment. You are not here to be entertained. You are here to worship the true and the living God. If you have been entertained, we have, we have failed the Lord miserably. 
When you walk out of here in a few minutes, I want you to be able to say there was something about that service. I sensed the presence of God. I sensed the glory of God. I sensed the immenseness of who he was, who he is. If God shows up, the prophet is saying people will come. We feel like we've got to be culturally identifying to draw the world. When 9-11 took place, every report and every study that has been written from a spiritual perspective, America went to church after 9-11. We all know that. But the studies that I've been reading was when America went to church, they could not find the presence of God. You see, entertainment will not hold the world. All of the, the performance-based things that go on in church today, that's not going to bring the lost. I'm telling you, God's word is saying that if my glory is there, Gentiles are going to start running to the light. If we get the presence of God back in the house of God, friends, you can't keep people out of here. You can't keep people away from here. If God shows up, I'm telling you, people will come from far and from near. The Bible says, and it was true even with Jesus' birth, who was the true sun rising, the day star, the day spring. He is, a, he is arisen as a day star. Travelers from the east left all that they, they had there, and they came to bow and worship before the Christ child. Shepherds left their fields and their responsibilities because a light had come into their darkness. I'm telling you, what we need back in the church is the presence of God and the glory of God to be manifest. I want the worship team to come and give me five more minutes. How many will give me five minutes? Five, ten, you know what. We'll finish in five minutes. Worship team, come. In Exodus, when Moses, tending sheep on the desert, encounters the presence of God in that bush of flame, he takes off his shoes in recognition of the presence of God and obedience to the command of the Lord. But then God gives him a task and an assignment. I want everybody to hear this. When you get touched by God's presence, you cannot sit idly by and not do anything for God. Because you're not living your life. You see, what, what's happened in America, we've raised up a lot of Christians, but we haven't raised up a lot of disciples. Jesus never told us to go and make Christians out of people. He said, go and make disciples. A disciple is a whole different concept. Because a disciple is not their own. Your time's not your own. Your money's not your own. You're all about advancing the kingdom. You're all about advancing the cause of Christ. And whatever capacity of life, wherever Christ places you, you serve him gladly. Amen. And you make a difference. And Mr. Williams, if God gives you an opportunity to serve this city, there is grave responsibility before the creator God to serve all of the peoples of this city, but also to advance his name in the earth and to make a difference. <laughs> Moses offered his life. I have problems with saying I'm not available. I'm not available. Listen, if you get touched by the glory, you're available. If you get touched by the presence, you're available. What happened in Isaiah 6, 
When Isaiah comes in and by, by vision he sees the, the throne room of heaven. And he says concerning the throne room, it was full of the glory of God. His train, it gives a symbolic reference to the glory, calling it the train. It filled the temple. And because of the glory, it says the post were shaking. If we could catch a glimpse of heaven as did Isaiah, Isaiah says, woe is me. What can I do for you, God? Where can I serve you? Paul, on the road to Damascus, before he was converted, was Saul. He was going to oppose the work of God, going to oppose Christians. He was killing Christians, slaughtering, breathing out the scripture. And the King James says, breathing out threatenings and slaughters. He was opposing God's work. But the light of the immenseness of his glory, he had a revelation of Jesus. And it knocked him to the ground. And he said, what do you need from me? What can I do for you? When a church is touched by the presence of God, you never have to ask people to serve. Please stand with me. Boy, that really got quiet. When you encounter the glory, you're going to say, where will you send me? What can I do for you? How can I advance your cause? Where can I serve? Where can I minister? You see, because when you're a disciple, it's not your time. It's not my time. It's not our life. He that seeks to save his life, what did Jesus say? All of you retirees, you've got available hours to offer the service of the Lord. Mr. Sheriff, you're about to be retired. You've got opportunity to serve God and to give back to advance the cause of Christ you can't help it when God's presence touches your life touches your home your family when his presence does your sons come home your daughter's a nurse at your side again parents you want to get your wayward children home get more of his presence be a pursuer of his presence his presence in your life and in your home it creates a whole different atmosphere. People will come in and say, wow, there's just something different, man. Well, your home is filled with such peace. Your home is full of such, I'm telling you, it can be a light in a dark spot. It can be a Goshen. You just read it this week in your scripture reading. God created for Israel when all the plagues were coming on Egypt. I'm telling you, the signs are clear and we know what, where America's headed according to the scripture. We know what's happening. But God can create lands of Goshen still. He gave us that biblical pattern, biblical thought. And his hand can keep you from the plagues, even his judgments that come. But it's all about seeking him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and there's a spiritual need in your life, all of our prayer team, our deacons, our pastors to please come to the front. If you have a spiritual need, I want you to move from where you're standing right now. And I want you to come to the altar from all over this sanctuary. 
there's a spiritual need in your life, I want you to come to the front. If you've been struggling with sin in your life, I want you to come to repent of that sin and let Jesus help you get that out of your life so that his glory and presence can once again manifest. You've known the presence of God. You've known his closeness. But your sin has separated you. If you need to be born again, if you're wayward as a prodigal, you've never given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is calling you. Come while there's time. Two weeks ago tonight, because we have church on Sunday night, a man came, doesn't usually attend this church, but he came on Sunday night. Pastor was preaching about heaven. He came to this altar and prayed asked the Lord to touch his life on Monday he went into eternity never knowing on Sunday night you don't know when your final altar call will be given but God's calling God's speaking I want every person that has a spiritual need I want you to move from where you're standing right now and come to the altar come on from all over this sanctuary if you have a spiritual need if you need prayer about something in your life battle that you're experiencing, a temptation that you're facing. You need a brother or sister to agree with you. I want you to move from where you're standing and come right now. There's those prayer partners that know how to pray the prayer of faith and agree with the promises of God. If you need special prayer, I invite you to come. I want everyone that wants to pray for America, I want you to come and stand in these aisleways in closing. Come on, let's, we're going to pray for America. If you will, make your way to the front. This will be our closing prayer. Jennifer, lead us in that song as everyone comes. concerned about our nation seeing revival I, I don't want you to let me pray for you I want every believer to pray come on lift up your voice and pray for our nation God heal our land God touch America God save America be merciful to this nation extend mercy oh God Lord extend your hand of mercy Lord we reach out in behalf of a nation Lord that's headed away from the things of God we've embraced idolatry Lord, we've forsaken your commandments and we repent for our, our nation. We repent for America. We pray for our leaders, oh God. We pray for all of those that, Lord, you have placed in leadership capacity, that they will humble themselves and be godly men and women that truly, as spoken from this pulpit earlier, the righteous will be in authority over this nation. 
God, I pray that your hand will bring America back to the spiritual roots, to the foundation stones that once caused glory to be on this nation, the glory and the light. We declare, oh God, a mighty spiritual awakening for America. Lord, I don't want the governor of Louisiana to be a lone voice calling for revival in America. From this pulpit, oh God, and pulpits like it across America, let there be a clarion call to return to the God of our salvation. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Just before you leave, we're going to allow have the sheriff and Mr. and Mrs. William escorted to the lobby and if you'd like to greet them they'll be out in the lobby but I want us as a congregation to sing this one more time don't forget the service tonight at six o'clock but friends we must have him it's our time God's people to arise come on sing it with me